The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Thank you, Jesus. Well, why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's Word, and my life will never be the same, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Amen. And so for four weeks ago, we uh, started a series talking about maximizing the grace of prosperity. Amen. Uh, we established, uh, building up to today, that prosperity is indeed a grace. If you read in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 9, it says, For we know by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was Rich, yet for your sake he became poor, uh, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So Jesus, when he went to the cross, he died, and he took care of the sin issue. He became sin so that you uh, through that might become the righteousness of God. He also took care of the curse. He redeemed us from the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Uh, he also took care of sickness. While he was at the cross by his stripes, we are healed. But he also took care of uh, the poverty issue. Poverty is not a blessing. Uh, poverty is a curse. And he took care of that. He became poor. He literally bankrupted himself while he was at the cross so that through that uh, we might become rich or we might be prospered. Now, there are several different faces uh, to prosperity, prosperity of the spirit, prosperity of the soul, and uh, prosperity in the material uh, realm is also a valid face of the prosperity that God wants to bring uh, to us, the church. Amen? God wants you to prosper in the financial, material, physical, if you will, uh, world, so that you can be a blessing uh, to uh, those around you, so that you can also be a blessing uh, to the unbelievers. Amen. And so we see here that this prosperity, just because it's a grace, it does not mean it's going to fall on you uh, like uh, ripe mangoes falling off a tree. Amen. It's not just going to fall on you like salvation didn't just fall on you. You had to respond to that salvation uh, by believing the Lord Jesus in your heart and confessing that God raised him from the dead. You, you believed in your heart, you confessed that, and because of that, you got saved, you got born again. So there was a response on our part for us to appropriate that grace in our lives. So it is with healing. Uh, Jesus would always give everyone that he was about to administer healing to uh, a grace instruction. I mean, think about it. Uh, with the blind man, Jesus spits on the ground. He mixes his spit with the dirt and he puts uh, the spit on his eyes and he says, go wash in the river Cylon. I mean, he could have just said, look, 
and you will see and touch him and the man. But Jesus was giving the man, giving the man an opportunity to respond to that grace of healing. So it is when it comes to our finances, God gives us an opportunity to respond to that grace of prosperity so that we can appropriate it uh, in our lives. Amen? And so I said earlier on in the first service that this prosperity is like a river flowing. You know, that an unending river, if you read Ezekiel chapter number 47, it talks about a river that keeps on rising, rising. It starts off at ankle level, it goes to knee level, it goes to hip level, and it, it becomes a river that you couldn't stand in. The only thing you could do is swim, amen? And that river is flowing. It's a picture of heaven releasing uh, things towards the earth. But how you get a stream to start flowing into your house... Uh, when it comes to prosperity, is through the channel of generosity. What Q was talking about, the generous begin to appropriate this grace of prosperity over their lives. And the stingy almost stops the flow of that stream uh, into their house. Amen? God just set it up that way. He set up the system that way. You know, I wasn't there when he decided that he was going to set it up that way. But what we have to do on our part is to learn to work with that system so that we can get the benefit out of it. Amen. I said amen. And so today we're going to look at Genesis chapter number 14. Still talking about how you can maximize uh, the grace of prosperity over your life. Uh, you know, I've been poor uh, and now I'm not. And uh, I like where I'm at now better than where I was before. Amen? I, I like it better. It's an awesome place to be. I can be a blessing. God can use me to be a blessing to others. And uh, it's, 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 it's just a great place to be. Amen? And so we're going to be sharing some of those testimonies with you. Uh, so that you, you know, sometimes when we read from the widow of Zarephath and the Shunammite woman, uh, you can put it off as, you know, that was back then, way back then, you know, in the ancient days. Uh, but when you see someone standing before you in living color, who is the same uh, 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 age, as same race as you, I mean, it takes away all the excuses. God can literally bless you the same way he blesses those around you. He's not a respecter of persons. What he does for one, he is willing and able to do for the other if they will let him do it in, in, in their lives. Amen? And so we're going to read from Genesis 14, and the preface to that is uh, Abraham. You know, he got the blessing from the Lord. The Lord came and said, Abraham, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to the nations. The nations are going to borrow you. But God also gave him a grace instruction. He said, for me to do this effectively, I'm going to ask you to do something. I want you to leave your father's house, Abraham. You're already 75 years old. You're staying with your father, Abraham. Ah, uh, you must leave your father's house. So the Lord said, Abraham, leave your father's house and go to a place that I'm going to show you. And in that place, you know, some things are going to happen. So Abraham decided he was going to take a lot with him to go to that place that the Lord was calling him. And so the Lord didn't tell him to take his nephew Lot, but he decided, you know, he was going to take Lot with him. And because there was such a tremendous blessing on the both of, on, on Abraham more so, and it, you know, uh, trickled down to his nephew, they started to multiply. Their livestock started to multiply such that they started to be contention and uh, just uh, a strive between their uh, uh, servants uh, with regards to grazing uh, pasture. They started fighting over grazing pasture. And because Abraham, the blessed man, didn't want anything to do with strife, he said to Lot, Lot, here's what we're going to do. We're going to split up. 
But I'm going to give you the first mover advantage. I want you to choose where you want to go, and I'm going to take the opposite direction. And so Lot laughed. <laughs> you must not know what you're talking about. And so he chose the place that was green and plush, and it was rainy, and it was a beautiful place in the natural. He said to Abraham, I'm going to go over there. And so Abraham was left with dirt, desert, rubble, nothing going on over there. But Abraham had a greater spiritual uh, uh, force that was working on him that could override the desert. And that spiritual force was the blessing. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we are just looking in the natural and we make our decisions based on what looks good uh, in the natural and we forget that there is a greater spiritual force that can cause you to prosper regardless of what the natural circumstances look like. Listen, when you have the blessing, you could be in the middle of the bush somewhere in Maslatini. If the blessing of the Lord is on you, you'll have the best heart in that neighborhood. Amen? I think it was Ashley Terrades. He was sharing this story. He said, man, you could be in prison and you'll be the only one with cigarettes. (laughs) And I said, Ashley, I'm not sure you can share that one. He said, man, you... (laughs) He said, if the blessing is on you... (laughs) And I think Andrew, Andrew Omar was sharing the same story when his son went to prison. He was like, my son, I told him, I said, man, when you get soap, cut it and give it away. And he was giving away and things started working for him in prison. It was crazy, right? <laughs> but here's the truth is that when the blessing of the Lord uh, is on you, it doesn't matter who has the first mover advantage. Some of you are only coming into business now and you feel like you are coming a little too late. Well, let me tell you, if you have the blessing, you are never late. Amen. And so Abraham chose the place that didn't look great in the natural. And then, you know, Lot chose the place that looked plush. I mean, it was beautiful, but the problem was uh, that place was run by the king of Sodom. And so when he went to that place, he submitted himself to the king of Sodom. Now, Sodom uh, represents worldly systems. It represents a worldly uh, uh, run system. And so Lot went and submitted himself to a system that is based on how the world thinks. And Abraham was submitted to a system uh, that is run on the word of God and founded on the Bible. And so, you know, Lot did well for a while, uh, but the world system is always going to crash. They predict that the global economy and uh, the, the, the system, uh, the, the markets will always crash every 10 years. They predict that every 10 years this thing is going to, you know, crash. And so if you put your confidence and trust in that, you know, you better be ready every 10 years for a crash. God's system, on the other hand, it never crashes. Amen. And so uh, while he was there, you know, the the, 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 there were four, four other kings who decided they were going to go to battle with him. So we want to read from verse 8 for the sake of time. Uh, and it says, And they went out the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, and the king of Adma, and the king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela, the same in Zoar, and they joined battle with them in the vale of Sidon. Valley. Valley? It says vale over here. It says vale. Oh, yeah, I'm reading the original, Dan Gagan, the original King James, right? 
Yeah, it says veil over here. It says in verse 9, with the, uh, uh, they, so they went to battle. Did you see those kings? Uh, so he spelled out five kings that were in alliance. Uh, they had an allegiance going on there. Uh, five kings, and, and he saw happened. Oh, man, awesome. He saw happened uh, to be a part of those five, uh, a lot. He was under those five kings, and they were going against uh, the king of Chedalamia, verse 9, the king of uh, Elam with Tidal, king of the nations, and Amphramel, king of Shina, and Arioch, king of Elasha, four kings against five. So the Bible is, is very clear to spell that out, that Lot was with the five, and the opposition only had four. Now, which number is greater, five or four? Five, right? And uh, logic follows that if you are on a team with five people, you most likely are going to win the battle, right? In the natural, hey, this should have been a piece of cake. But let me tell you, brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter what the odds look like. If you take God out of the picture, the battle can go anywhere. On the day, anybody can win. Amen? I said amen. When you take God out of the equation, man, your decisions are not guaranteed. I was saying in the first service, your decisions become fishing, just trying. Remember when Jesus came to the disciples in the breaking of dawn and he started talking to them and he said to them, hey, I want you to now lay down your nets for a catch. And the disciples said, Jesus, you must not know anything about fishing. We have been fishing all night. And you know, fishing usually works at night because the fish can't see the net. In the morning, you are a great rabbi, but when it comes to fishing, I'm not sure you know what you're talking And Jesus said, do it. And Peter said, I'm going to do it anyway. And so when Jesus, uh, Peter laid down his nets, Jesus said this to him, I want you to lay them down for a catch. They had been fishing. Fishing is trying. You're trying, and you try this business idea. And the thing about fishing is sometimes you catch frogs. You're, you're trying, and you're trying, and then you're trying, and then you're trying. But when you have a word from God, you graduate from fishing to laying down your nets for a catch. Amen? It's no longer just trying this and the other. It's now doing what God has called you to do, and there's certainty that you're going to get a W. Better known as a win. Amen? Amen. And so we see here in this situation that Lot was on the team with five. And this should have been a piece of cake, but it didn't go that way. In verse 10 it says, And the valley of Sidon was full of slime pits, and the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah. They started flooding. They started running away from the battle. And the king of Sodom and Gomorrah fled and fell there, and they that remained fled to the mountains, and they took all the goods. The enemies came and took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their victuals and went their way. They took also Abraham's brothers uh, uh, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So they took Lot and his goods. See, when the world system crashes, it takes your soul too. It takes your money and your soul and your peace of mind. Took him out. 
Verse 13, and then came one that had escaped and told Abraham the Hebrew, for he dwelt in the plain of Mamre and the Amorite, a brother of Eskor and brother of Anna, and these were the confederate with Abraham. And when Abraham heard that his brother was taken captive, he armed his trained servants, born in his house, 318, and pursued them unto Dan. Now, you know, five nations, we are looking at a, a, a minimum of uh, 5,000 soldiers in each, you know, uh, uh, tribe. And at this time, Abraham only has 318. They weren't even trained at a proper army base. They were trained in his house, in his backyard. These are amateur soldiers. But they have the blessing. Amen? I said amen. And so now Abraham is taking 318 and is going to recover the goods against 4,000 soldiers. Now, if you look at this thing from the natural, Abraham, we better start digging 318 graves. But if you look at it from the spiritual, you ask this question, which side is God on? If God before us, who can be against us or who can win against us? And so when you go into the marketplace, it's great to uh, uh, boast, you know, on your uh, uh, abilities and your ingenuities and your uh, competence. But I'm telling you, if you kick God out of the equation, you may have a great competence, a great education, and a great uh, opportunity. But when you kick God out of the equation, that whole thing can collapse. You're playing a Russian roulette. Amen? You win some, you lose some. God doesn't call us to the life of win some and lose some. God has called us to a life of winning every single day. That's why the Bible says in Romans 8, 37, for we are more than conquerors. It's talking about victory. We are more than conquerors through Christ who has loved us and he has called us according to his purpose. He only had 318 and he pursued uh, the uh, 4,000 minimum. And when he pursued them, watch what happened in uh, uh, verse 16. And he brought back all the goods. All the goods? Yeah, he brought them back, all of them. He brought back all the goods and also brought again his brother Lot and his goods. And the women also and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him after his return from the slaughter of Chedalomia and the kings that were with him at the valley of Shave, which is in the king's dale. Verse 18, and Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the priest of the Most High God. And so as Abraham was coming from winning this battle, he was met by two kings. You know, the king of uh, Sodom and the king of Salem, Jerusalem, Shalom, the peace of God, where the prosperity is. He was met by two kings that represent two systems. The first king that came to meet him was the king of Sodom who represents the world system. And the second king that came to meet him was Melchizedek who is Jesus in human form. Amen? And so he was met with two kings and they both had two different propositions. 
And we're about to read those propositions uh, right here. And the first one we want to read is the king of Salem, the king of uh, uh, Melchizedek. And this is what he did. He brought forth bread and wine. What does bread and wine speak of for us? It speaks of communion. What is communion? Communion is a spiritual reminder of the things that Jesus has already paid for us at the cross. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not his benefits. And he begins to list those benefits. And one of those benefits is this. He satisfies our mouths with good things. And our youth is renewed like that of an eagle. He's talking about prosperity in the material realm. Satisfies our mouth with good things. Not an air pie. Amen? With good things that you can touch. So prosperity is a part of the covenant. Amen? I said amen. And so uh, Melchizedek came with this spiritual reminder. He was the priest of the Most High God. Verse 19, I want us to read those four words together. And he blessed him. Did you read that? Let's read it one more, one more time. Ready? Read. And he blesses. The first thing Melchizedek does when he sees Abraham is he blesses him. The first thing that happens to you and I as we transition from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son is that we receive his blessing on our lives. Amen? Amen. And because Abraham was a, you know, a, he had a covenant with God, this, this blessing is not the first time Abraham is getting... It's almost like getting a blessing on top of the blessing. Abraham was already a blessed man. And so everything else that we read, uh, uh, you know, that we're going to read further, is not Abraham trying to get blessed. He's already... I mean, if you can take 300 men to beat 4,000 minimum, man, you are a blessed man. So the blessing was already in operation on Abraham's life. Amen? But I just like the fact that God's kingdom, God's system is not trying to take something away from you. He's trying to get something to you. And so the first thing he does when he meets Abraham is to give him something. Hallelujah! Man, this is good preaching. You won't find this at the 8 o'clock news. Amen. And so he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, possessor of the heaven and the earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered thine enemies into thy hand. And Abraham responded and gave him tithes of all. We're going to go back and see the pronunciation of this blessing. There are three truths that I want to highlight to you that are powerful that Abraham is responding to as he gives his tithe. He says in verse uh, verse 19, uh, when Melchizedek, Jesus, came, started to pronounce the blessing on Abraham, he said, blessed be Abraham of the most high God. So the first reality, a spiritual reality that we see there, if you are going to tithe with revelation, the first thing you need to understand is this, that God is the most high God. And when you make God the most high God over your life, or when you make God the highest authority over your life, when you start to make God Lord over your life, Jesus said it like this. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? 
The way to make God the most high God is to make him Lord, L-O-R-D. When you make him Lord, you start to pay attention to him more than what the circumstances or what the news or what the money is telling you to do. Amen? I said amen. And if you read in Psalm uh, chapter number 97 verse 9, this is David. He says, for you, O Lord, are the most high above all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. Someone shout, God is the most high God in my life. He is the highest authority in my life. Amen. And so the first thing he says is, Abraham of the Most High God. The second thing he says is, Abraham of the Most High God, who is the possessor of the heavens and the earth. So the second truth that we see there is that God owns everything. He is the possessor of the heavens and the earth. That means we are just stewards. It's the second powerful spiritual truth that you need to know if you're going to tithe with freedom and excitement and cheerfully. Let me give you an advice. Until you get to that point, don't do it. Because it's not going to benefit you anything. If you're going to write a check, do your EFT, but complain about, yeah, you know, this church is all they want. Don't do it. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you get the... We're not just trying to receive your time. We're trying to receive it, but we want to see increase over your life. If you're not cheerful yet, don't do it. And how do you get cheerful? You get cheerful by knowing this, that what you're giving God already belongs to him anywhere. In fact, that's what David did. Let's read a little bit of that. That's what David did in First Corinthians, First uh, Chronicles, chapter number twenty-nine. I'm going to read from verse three to eight in the Message Bible. He's talking about you know the building of the temple, and they started to take an offering for the building of the temple. He says, "Furthermore, because of my heart, this is David. He says, "Furthermore, because my heart is in this, in addition to and beyond uh, what I've got, that I'm turning over my personal fortune of gold and silver for making this place of worship for my God." 3,000 talents, about 113 tons of gold. I don't know how much my car can carry. Maybe it's a one ton, two ton. But this is 113 tons of gold. Not of dirt, so you can get home and look for the gold. This is pure gold from a specific place. All of it from Ophi, the best. And 7,000 talents. 214 tons of silver for covering the walls of the building and for the gold and silver work by craftsmen, artisans. And now how about you? He's talking to the church now. Who among you is ready and willing to join in this giving? And so David, it's estimated that after David gave, he gave about uh, 3 billion U.S. dollars towards the building of the church. But that's not what made an impression to me. What made an impression to me was how David viewed the whole situation. If you read in verse 16 in the New King James Bible, this is what David said. He said, but who am I? Who are my people that we should be able to offer so willingly as this? For all these things come from you. Capital letter Y is talking about God. All of these things come from you and of your own have we given you. This is David's attitude. 
Now, aren't your neighbor and ask them, if you had given three billion, what would be your attitude? Some of you would give the church office a, a call to set up an appointment with the pastor so I can let him know what's up. Have some undue influence in that thing. After all, I'm the one financing it. No, David didn't look like he's the one. He didn't look at it like I'm the one financing it. He's saying, Lord, we're just giving you what already belongs to you. So David has a heart of a steward. Man, when you have a heart of a steward, it's going to be easy for you to give. The reason why you're so stingy is because you think you own the thing. If we asked you to, gave, to give from your neighbor's uh, wallet, man, you, all of a sudden you become generous. All of a sudden. Oh, yeah, you become a cheerful giver. Some of you will be giving everything. Business cards in there just pass. Hey, Lord, whatever you want, it's yours. You know why? Because you are disconnected. And that's what we need to do when it comes to resources. Don't bring your heart in it. Be disconnected from the object of resources. It's the only place you're going to hear God clearly. Is when you know God owns everything. And I'm just but a steward. And the third thing he said, Melchizedek, as he's pronouncing the blessing on uh, uh, Abraham, he said this. He said, blessed be Abraham of the Most High God, right? He said, blessed be Abraham, uh, 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 blessed be God who is the possessor of the heavens and the earth. And he said this. He says, God who has delivered your enemies into your hands. In other words, Abraham, just to remind you that the reason you won this battle was not because of your own uh, power and strength and, uh, and ammunition. No, the reason you won this battle was because because God is the one who has delivered your enemies into your hands. And so how does that apply today? We have a lot of gifted people in this church. We have doctors. We have lawyers. We have uh, engineers. We have artists. We have uh, musicians that can sing and play the instrument. I mean, we have tremendously gifted people uh, in this church. And it would be a sad day if any of them thought that they are so gifted because of their own creation. We have to realize that the reason we are able to go into the marketplace and win is because God is the one that has delivered our enemies or the marketplace into our hands. Do, do you realize that it only takes a tiny chemical imbalance for you to go absolutely cuckoo? One flew over a cuckoo's nest. You remember that movie? Man, it, it, takes, it takes a tiny chemical imbalance for you to lose it, to where you're drooling at the mouth. You can't, you can't work on the computer. But God is the one that keeps you sane. And so when Melchizedek comes, he reminds Abraham of these three realities. God has to be the highest authority in your life. God is the one that owns everything. And God is the one that's causing you to win. And his response, Abraham's response to that was, Therefore, I'm going to take a portion of what I have and give it to God. Watch this. In acknowledgement of these three realities. And so when you tithe, you're not trying to buy the blessing. When you tithe, you're acknowledging that I'm already blessed. Amen. 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 
I said, amen. And, and watch what happened uh, straight after that. The world system doesn't give up on you because it's trying to recruit, recruit you, right? Watch what happens after that. Uh, verse 21. And the king of Sodom, the world system, said unto him, I want you to read the first two words uh, that we see that the king of Sodom said there. Uh, the king of Sodom came to Abraham and said, ready, read. Give me. Remember what the king of uh, Salem said, what Melchizedek said? He said, blessed. And the king of uh, 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 Sodom says, give me. The king of Sodom. Man, submitting yourself to the world system. The world system is not trying to prosper you. It's trying to keep you stuck. First two words, give me. Because the world system is created to take from you. God's system on the flip side is created to get the blessing on you so that you can operate outside of the world system. And the choice is absolutely yours. Which system you run on. I like to call the world system the treadmill. You get on it, you run, you work hard. It looks like the numbers are changing. But you're still on the same spot. You're even sweating. I mean, you, there's proof that you're doing something. But you ain't going nowhere. You never get to Polokwani, you know, you, 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 you're, on the same, you're on the same spot. That's the treadmill. I remember when I started buying fuel. Let me give you an example of what the treadmill looks like. When I started buying fuel, it was five rand. Five rand per liter. I tell you, if it was still five rand today, I'd be, a re- I'd be a rich man. But do you know what they do? They gave me a 7% inflation adjustment. I thought I was getting a salary increase. So I called all my friends, left the building, had a bri at the house, and they stayed behind. While I was at the bri, they increased the price of fuel. <laughs> and when I came out, I realized, you know what? That was no 7%. I actually went two steps backwards because they gave me a 7% increase and they jacked it up by 10%. So I was still on the same spot. I remember buying bread for two rand. Anybody remember that? Two rand, buy bread for two rand. Hey man, I'm revealing my age. Somebody's like, two rand? I remember when the silver money could buy. The silver coins was real money. I remember when 100 rand could, I remember when 500 rand could fill up a trolley. But they give you a price increase, check up the price, so you're still on the treadmill. And yes, what's interesting is that the, te- the, the price increase in motivates you to stay on the treadmill. You run some more. It's called the king of Sodom, right? It's the system. And so how do you snap out of that system? God is giving us an alternative called blessed. Amen. And when you get over here on the blessed system, God begins to prosper you supernaturally. He begins to deliver these things to you. Last month, my wife and I were negotiating a deal for our consulting business. And uh, we went there with a figure, with a company across the pond, we were, you know, getting ready to sign the contracts. We went there with a figure in our head that we thought was extravagant. We thought, Lord, if you gave us this, well, it's going to be awesome, man. We're going to be boring. <laughs> and then, true story, in that meeting, we, before we could say anything, the people we were talking to, to get the contract, to get the job, doubled the figure. 
That wasn't me. That wasn't her. We didn't, even, we didn't even go out looking for that contract. We didn't even go out. It came to us. And what's God doing? God is getting you to run on that kingdom system where things come to you, where he delivers your enemies into your hands, not over here on this system that's trying to keep you stuck. Man, I wish, I wish. It's, it's awesome to experience these things as your pastor, but I wish we all could, all of us could start experiencing these things in the marketplace. And the way you do it is to stop trusting money and start trusting God. When you do that, he starts to bring opportunities uh, your way. On Thursday, we woke up to an email uh, that someone sent to us. They said, hey, we're trying to get you on television. Our television is expensive, and it's about 700 U.S. dollars per episode, 30 minutes. You pay 700 U.S. US dollars. And the reason why I haven't, you know, gone on on television uh, uh, is one reason, really. M-O-N-E-Y. Money. So I started to believe God, God, if you want us on. But here's what I said. Here was my prayer. Uh, I think Kennedy was with me when I prayed this prayer. I was, we were driving to Nando's for lunch. I got a call from TBN. And, uh, you know, I, I said to Kennedy, you know, I just got a call from TBN. But I'm, I'm only going to do it if God can do it for me for free. And he didn't understand. He said, why? I said, because I've seen those televangelists get on TV and beg people. I'm not going to be one of them. So if it's free, there's no need to beg. I don't need to get on TV and say, please, please, please send me 20 rand. Anything you can so we can stay on TV. I don't have to do any of that because it's free. So I said, Lord, I'm going to believe you for free. I like free. Free is fun. It means you just have one big faith insto- uh, uh, deposit, and then when you do, you, it's free. Now you just sustain it and you maintain it. You don't have to worry about a thing. Amen? I said, amen. And so someone sent us an email. They said, man, we're trying to, and we're going to pay for it. said, we're trying to get you back on TV, and uh, we're going to pay for it. And while I was dancing to that, (laughs) two of the greatest uh, think tanks in in the publishing space uh, 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 called us, and they said, hey, we've read Grace in the Marketplace, the book, and we want to republish it here in North America in in American English, because when we wrote it, we wrote it in British proper English. And so they want to put it in American English, right? <laughs> so they can publish it there. These are, these are people that to work with, you need to pay a lot of money to work with these people. And uh, they said, hey, we want to do it with Harrison House, and this is what we're going to do. We're going to republish it. And this is what the lady said to me. She said, Pastor, you don't have to worry about a thing. You don't have to wor- We will do the work for you. If you have any more new content that you want to add to the book, you can just grab your phone while you're driving and do a voice note and send it to us, and we will type it and transcribe it for you and make it fit. I'm like, how much is it going to cost me? They said, absolutely free. Amen. That's how you get off the treadmill. You start to trust God over here on his kingdom. He starts to do things that in the natural. Listen, even if you are the smartest person in the earth, in the natural, you can't put these testimonies together. In your own strength, forget it. You start to submit yourself to what only God can do. And when Abraham did that, watch what happened in chapter number 15, verse 1. 
Watch what happened. When Abraham took a, a portion of what he had, chapter number 15, uh, verse 1. Watch what happened. He says, after these things, yeah. after you pledged his allegiance to the kingdom of God. He started running on that track. He told the king of Sodom off. He said, man, I'm not going to take even a shoelace from you. I'm going to be committed to the kingdom of God. I'm going to be committed uh, to do it the, the, the Bible way, according to the word of God. I'm going to trust God in this. Watch what happened. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision and saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Man, God just took it to the next level. And so I'm telling you, God is calling us to start operating at a high level. As a lifestyle. We're talking about, I think it was Billy Epperhart. You know, people are always going to question you and uh, try to have a Bible debate about stuff. Uh, you know, people are always challenge me. They say, Pastor, you talk about tithe. We're under grace. This was 300 years before the law, you know. And if you read in Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus actually encourages us to tithe. If you read in uh, Hebrews chapter number 8 and chapter number 9, uh, he encourages us to tithe because he's trying to get something to us. He's not trying to get something from us. He's trying to get us into a lifestyle where we begin to receive of the Lord. And the reason we share these testimonies, like I just shared, is so that you know these things are still happening in 2021. Because sometimes you can be tempted to think that it's the Shunammite woman way back then, or it's the you know, widow at Zarephath way back then, or it's the 5,000 that Jesus fed with. Two, I don't know anybody else that's experiencing those things. When I share these testimonies, it is to stir up your faith. At least you can see someone who's the same color as you. Who comes from a same underprivileged background, poverty-stricken. Even our neighbors thought we were poor. Same background as you. So there are no excuses. Amen. All you have to do is to step out in faith and experience the same thing. Why? Because God is not a respecter of persons. God does not show partiality. What he does for one, he's more than willing and able to do for the other. And he's ready to do it for you. But what you got to do is to start walking steps of trusting him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And so in wrapping up, let's go to 1 uh, Timothy chapter number 6. We're going to read from verse 7 to 8. 1 Timothy chapter number 6 from verse 7 to 8. So your tithe is really about acknowledging uh, those three realities, and it is also about demonstrating your trust, that your trust is not in the money. Your trust is in God. Amen? He says in Psalm 20, verse 7, there are some who choose to put their trust in horses and chariots. But I choose to put my trust in the name of the Lord. That's what David said. Man, it's time for us to put our trust in the right thing. And when we do, there's a flow of resources that's coming your way. Verse 17, uh, 1 Timothy chapter number 6, uh, verse 17. Let's get 17. He says, charge them, or if you read in the original King James Bible, he says, command them. He didn't say suggest to them because he's getting ready to deal uh, with an issue, an area that a lot of people get tripped up in. And so he says, charge them or command them. He says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded or haunty. No trust in uncertain riches. It's interesting that he didn't say 
charge or command them that are rich in this world to get rid of their riches. He didn't say that. Did you see that? He doesn't have a problem with you having riches, but he certainly looks like he has a problem with you uh, when riches have you. Let me give you an example. If you, if you, if you are all smiley and full of joy uh, when you got money in your pocket, and then you get sad when you don't have money in your pocket, mammon has got you. You know, like the stock market, your, your joy is, is fluctuating based on how much money you have in your pocket. Mammon has got you. If you have a constant joy, whether you got something or you don't have anything, then you have defeated the spirit of mammon. Let me give you another one. If you treat people that drive nice cars or seem to be uh, uh, wealthy better than you treat anybody else that does not seem wealthy because you're thinking maybe they may, may be able to do something for me, mammon has got you. If you can't treat anybody the same, and you're looking at their shoes first. Do they got Jordans first? <laughs> Before you love on them? Mammon has got you. Amen. If your world, before you marry someone, maybe let's move on. <laughs> he says, charge them not to put their trust in uncertain riches. But in the living God, who richly gives us all things to enjoy. God wants you to enjoy the things. He doesn't want the things to take over your heart. Just take the things and enjoy them. Amen. I said amen. amen. If the way you treated your wife when you were poor and starting and building together... It's different from the way you treat it now that you've made it. Mammon has got you. High-minded. Did you read that? All of a sudden, you, you, you're, the, you, you're the top dog. And you approach your wife, do you know who I am? <laughs> yeah, I know who you are, the fool that I got married to. <laughs> Man, this is real. I'm trying to help you. Amen? Money is not the problem. Money is an interesting uh, uh, spirit. I call money a spirit because it is. Money is an interesting spirit because it's the only few, one of few things, it's probably the only thing in the earth that takes on the personality of the possessor. If I give you a hundred rand, immediately it becomes evil or good based on who you are. If you are evil in your heart and you use that hundred rand to buy someone weed, marijuana, then that hundred rand is evil. But if you take that hundred rand and use it to buy someone a cup of coffee, I don't know if coffee is healthy, maybe like water, still water. If you get them still water, or green tea, yeah, then that can help them. Amen? I said, amen. I'm trying to help you have a healthy relationship with money before it comes. 
so that when it comes, it doesn't literally take over and become the, the God on the throne of your life. Every decision has to go through, how much is this? How much can we get out of it? No. What is God saying and what does God want me to do? And when you, you, when you get there, man, I'm telling you, it's a sweet spot to be. God will liberally supply all your needs. There is a wealth for the sinner that is laid up for the just. We're not talking millions. I'm talking billions. When we get to heaven, for the most part, it says most people, God is going to wipe tears off their eyes because all of a sudden they're going to see what was available. They're going to see that the grace of provision was available for them that they didn't need to struggle and they didn't take full advantage of it. Do you know what it looks like to be a child of God, born in the family of God? It looks like a child born in a wealthy family. Just because you're born in a wealthy family does not mean you're going to take full advantage of what's available for you. I've seen some you know, uh, kids born in wealthy families not take a full advantage of what's available for them. But it's time that the church starts to take full advantage of what's available to us. Did that bless you? Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter number 6, verse 21, he says, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so uh, in these last days, money is a great locator of your heart. Man, you want to get your heart into the kingdom of God? Start taking a portion of what you have and give it to God. Start listening to Him about the things that He wants to do in your life. I didn't mention, but I mentioned it in the first service, that after we got that contract, God gave us another word. He said, I want you to give everything that's coming in from the first invoice uh, to such and such. And when my wife came with that word, I said, that's, what, that's exactly what we're going to do. And we took all that lump sum that had come in, and we gave it to where God had asked us to give. And because of that, it's like a domino effect. Other things start to fall into place. God starts to work on your life. He starts to work on these things and starts to bring opportunities your way. He starts to bring people that will work on your behalf, that will speak well of you in high places and start to bring not just wealth of money, there's also wealth of influence and wealth of access. He starts to bring, give you access in different places and uh, uh, in influence in different places and He Himself will start to promote you. Man, we limit God. It's time for us to let loose and be liberal and be open to what God is trying to do in our lives. And stop limiting God. Amen? I said amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you this morning for your covenant of prosperity. Lord, we thank you that Jesus became poor at the cross so that we, through that, might be prosperous, might be prospered. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice and those who are watching online. Lord, I just pray that the seed of this word may be planted in their hearts. I break the spirit of scarcity. I break the spirit of small thinking. We will not limit you, O oh God or what you're getting ready to do in our lives. 
but father that our hearts are open to millions so that we can channel them towards the preaching of the gospel to millions so that we can channel them to helping nations we're positioning ourselves to be the distribution center of your blessing just like Abraham was he lent to the nations Lord we pray that there are those under the sound of my voice before this thing is over with that are going to have wealth more than some GDP of some nations we saw it in your word and it can be done again it says of Abraham that his wealth grew that the nations began to envy him and at one point the nations had to ask him to leave because his personal wealth was disrupting the economy of the nation Lord we just thank you that you are positioning these your children for such an end time harvest a superfluous harvest an unlimited harvest Father we just thank you Lord we thank you that the same grace on this church we pray that it will flow in every single person under the sound of my voice those who are watching right now online and those who watch later we release that same grace of increase that same grace of growth and prosperity we release it right now into their businesses we release it right now into their jobs we release it right now into their careers those who are aspiring to do things at a much greater and bigger level lord we thank you that the world is opening up to them in the name of jesus lord i thank you that these your children shall not suffer lack they will not be forsaken they will not beg for bread in the mighty name of jesus we pray and someone said amen. amen hallelujah come on let's give god praise thank you jesus man i'm telling you god has great increase for his church stop thinking about the uh, a great trinity me myself and i start thinking bigger than that and start seeing the hand of god come over your life for increase amen you may not be able to give the way you want to give right now, but start where you are. If it's 10 rand, be faithful with that 10 rand and give it to the Lord and speak life over it and change your language. Move from a language of scarcity and smallness to a language of abundance. It's amazing how it works. Amen? But plan your giving. Say, okay, it's 10 rand today. Tomorrow I want it to be 20. Next year, I want it to be 80 rand. The year after, I want it to be 105 rand. And start to stay on that track, stay on that path. Amen. We had a small life group many, many years ago in Deep Sloot, where I would go there every Friday and minister to those people. And at the month end, we would buy them groceries and go and just bless them. But one thing we didn't stop doing was take an offering. And people didn't understand what we were working on. I would still ask those people to bring some. And some would bring 10 rand, 15 rand. And before you know it, all of them were out of deep sleep. Because that 10 rand would do something to their thinking. I'm prosperous. Changes their terminology from a language, from a language of victim 
Someone did this to me to a language of, hey, God has empowered me. I can even give 15 rand. And the man today, I can praise God, Pastor. I'm giving a hundred. And some started contributing to the monthly groceries. Hey, I don't want to receive any more. I want to be a blessing to my peers. And before you know it, all of them started moving out of Dipsloot one by one. And all of them right now are out of Dipsloot. Amen. And if God did it for them, listen, this message is for the downtrodden. Jesus said, I came to preach the gospel to the poor. So that they don't have to be poor anymore. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.